0: It's not okay for you to be a weak loser. It's not okay. And the reason it's not okay is because you could be way more than that. And it's a crime, an ethical crime, for you to allow all that necessary potential to go to waste. It hurts you, it hurts your family, it hurts the world, really, really it does. And people think, oh, okay, I get it. And they do get it, because they know at some level. If you turn around and you confront the suffering voluntarily, you find out that you are way tougher than you think. It's not that life is better than you think. Life is as harsh as you think. It might even be worse. But you are way tougher than you think if you turn around and confront it. And so then what you discover is that there's a spirit within you that that can pursue something meaningful, that has the resilience and the strength to contend properly with the catastrophe of existence without becoming bitter. That's actually the central. So, Mm. and then I would say that's one of the central themes of 12 rules for life is that make no mistake about it. Like the first noble truth of Buddhism, life is suffering. This is true. And it's worse than that because it's suffering contaminated by malevolence. That's the baseline. But And so that's very pessimistic. But the optimistic part is that you are so damn tough, you can actually not only deal with that, you can improve it. I mm-hmm. it's like, hmm, oh, well that's a horrible situation. But it turns out that I'm armed for the task. Well, that's, that's a great thing for people to know. And I do believe, I think the fact that we're armed for the task is even more true than the fact that life is catastrophe contaminated by malevolence. We're stronger than things are terrible. So, and things are pretty terrible. So that means we're pretty damn strong. Wow. Yes, it's a very good thing to know. And it's not naive optimism. It's a very different thing. It's like, no, things are terrible. They're brutal. And you are so damn tough, you can't believe it. You know, the idea that in some sense you're an eternal victim. Well, there's a truth in that, given that nature is conspiring to destroy you and will be successful in the end, that you're undermined by your own society at the same time you're buttressed by it, and that you're. A target of your own malevolence and that of others. I mean so there's plenty there's there's a, a triad of tragic and malevolent forces that are aimed directly at your heart, and that's always the case. but but to not take responsibility for that and to attribute attribute to that to to a cosmic injustice or a sociological injustice in some sense That's aimed particularly at you. That's somehow the fault of others is To miss the great adventure of your life in that adoption of that adventurous mode of being There's a deep meaning to be found Right a meaning maybe that transcends just you that involves your family and that involves your community and maybe even the destiny of humanity itself but there's nothing about that that's secure or easy and very little that has to do with happiness. The, the idea that your problems should be solved for you, let's say, and that it's unfair that you have them. Well, it, 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 it's attractive in that there's nothing for you to do except complain. But, but it's horrifying in that there's nothing for you to do except complain. The difficulty is actually, the funny thing is, is the difficulty is actually the destiny. And it is insanely difficult, but maybe you're insanely up to the task. The problem with the pursuit of happiness is that when life storms come along, happiness disappears, and then you're left with nothing. And so you need to pursue something that's deeper than happiness. And if happiness comes along, well then, hooray for you. You don't want to despise it because it's fleeting but it's much better to pursue things that are meaningful than things that make you happy. It's deeper and, and it orients you more appropriately and it, and it keeps you centered in your own life It makes you more useful for your family and your community. So a lot of what people find in life that provides them with a sustaining meaning is a consequence of not the pursuit of rights or the pursuit of happiness or, or, the, or, the, or the development of self-esteem, but the adoption of responsibility. And the more responsibility, in some sense, the better. Responsibility for yourself, for making sure that your life lays itself out like it should. Responsibility for your family, responsibility for the community. It's people who take responsibility that are the ones that you admire. And that's the right pathway through life. That's where meaning is to be found. And I think that's probably the crucial issue, is that identification of a profound relationship between responsibility and meaning. And for many of the people that I'm talking with, it seems like that's the first time that that's been articulated for them well the suffering is pain and the suffering is anxiety and uncertainty and the suffering is hopelessness but the consequence of all that is that you get bitter and Mm. when you get bitter you get mean and you get cruel and you start to hurt yourself and other people so it's not only that if you don't have a goal you suffer it's that you if you don't have a goal you suffer and then you get cruel and bitter and resentful and then you start to actively try to make the world a worse place Mm. and so so because you can't suffer pointlessly without becoming bitter. And you can't become bitter without becoming cruel. So then the question is, what should your aim be? But it's not easy to, to ask people to say, well, it's easy to ask them, what do you want in your life? It's a very hard question to answer because it's right. too vague right, and, right, right. and grand. Eh? So we help in the future authoring program, we help people break that down. So, okay, so here, here's the situation. So put yourself in the right frame of mind. So what's the right frame of mind? It's like rule two in this book. Treat yourself like you're someone responsible for helping. You're someone that you are responsible for helping. So what that means is you have to start from the presupposition that despite all your flaws and insufficiencies, that it's worth having you around and that it would be okay if things were better for you. So you need to take care of yourself like you're taking care of someone you care for. So there's a bit of a detachment in that. And then the next thing is, okay, so now look three to five years down the road, okay, you get to have what you need and want, assuming you're being reasonable, and that you actually want it, which means you're willing to make the sacrifices that would, that would make it possible. I would say that the goal in life is to conduct yourself so that life improves, at least so that undue suffering is forestalled, but more than that, so, so that, that's, it's to constrain malevolence and suffering to the degree that that's possible but then also to work for a positive improvement in things at every level. And that's that's how you should orient yourself. You know, if there are things about your life that are bothering you, or things about the world that are bothering you, then you wanna decompose them into solvable sub-problems. And you do this, if you have a child, this is the sort of thing that you do naturally, right? Because you wanna set your child a challenge that's sufficiently challenging to push them forward in their development. So that makes it meaningful for the child. That puts them in the zone of proximal development, which is where where proper maturation takes place. They'll find that intrinsically meaningful. You want to make it challenging, but also with a reasonable probability of success. And And there's an art to that. So you want to set yourself a task that's difficult, but not so difficult you can't attain it. And then what happens is that you step up Improvement across time incrementally and there's also a certain element of humility to it, right? Which is don't bite off more than you can chew, right? Don't set grandiose goals, but incremental improvement will get you a tremendous distance Well greatness is what reveals itself when you When you attempt to formulate when you attempt to Carefully articulate and live out what you believe to be true It just happens Because there isn't anything more powerful than truth, right? That's the antidote to suffering, truth, right? So it's a strange thing because you think, well, yeah, it produces a lot of suffering too. It's like, (laughs) yeah, in the short term. Many times in life, people don't get what they want and they need because they don't aim at it. And it's a hard lesson for people to learn because they're cynical to begin with and they presume that there's no possible way of moving forward. But it's not so unreasonable to assume that you're not going to hit what you don't aim at or you're not going to hit what you aim at and don't shoot at and i've seen time and time again that if people do put forward a vision for what they regard as worthy of pursuit which is something you have to determine in dialogue with yourself it's like given the difficult preconditions of existence Is there anything that you could conceive of that you would regard as sufficiently worthwhile so that you would be motivated to pursue it? It, It's a a profound philosophical question, and it's not an unreasonable one. It's it's a good place to start. It's like, well, life is difficult enough to make you cynical and bitter, and perhaps enough to make you cynical and bitter and suicidal and homicidal and even genocidal. And it's not surprising in some sense. And then the question is, well, is there something that you can pursue that allows that to be acceptable or perhaps even desirable, which is something to do that justifies the suffering? And it's hard to say what that would be for each of you. It's something that you can discover. This is partly why Nietzsche was wrong. Nietzsche thought that after God had died, that human beings would have to invent their own values. But the psychoanalysts, I would say Jung, foremost among them, put forward a very powerful counterclaim, which was that well, you can't invent values. They're already built into you. You have to discover them. And I think that's true for each person. It's like, well, what would justify you in in the abandonment of your resentment and hostility? What would be a sufficiently adventurous goal